Welcome to the Bridge Podcast. Ladies, I bet that was made in the 80s. This is before Tinder that they would do a dating service via videotape and then you could call in. Ladies, that was in the 80s. I bet all those men are still single. <laughs> I bet you could you could reach out to them. Let's find them on Facebook, right? They're not on Instagram. Um, all right, so um, we're in week three of a series called The Talk. First two weeks were either lots of fun for you or super awkward for you. I don't know. We talked about sex uh, for the first two weeks and uh, really, really went um, uh, kind of long talk through that. And now today we're going to switch to talking just about dating exclusively, just dating um, and kind of what that is. And I think it's important to start the same way I started kind of the sex part of this thing. And that is to say, why do I do this? I mean, honestly, if you look at all of Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible, like there's so much good stuff. Why even spend a week talking about dating? Like we could be covering anything else. And the answer to that question is this. I want you to have good relationships. I want you to avoid pain. And if I can do anything to help in that matter, I think it's important. Here's the thing. This message is going to hit 100% of the people in the room minus... I think there's three of us in the room right now who are married. Well, no, there's more of them right there. They're married too. Um, But there's just a few of us in here who are actually married. The rest of you are kind of in this. So it's going to hit 100% of people. This is for all of you. Because you are either dating right now, okay, or you want to be dating right now. Like, right, you're single and looking to mingle, that type of thing. Or you're, you're a person right now that's like, Tim, I am perfectly content in my singlehood, and I am just working on me. Okay, I'm con- congratulations. Glad you're doing that. However, at some point in the future, you will be in the dating world, right? So 100% of people, except for the very few of us who are out of that world, y'all are all in this world. And here's the thing. You can make choices right now in terms of the way you date that will either be really, really good for you right now and really, really good for you in the future, or you can make choices that will be really, really bad for you right now and also really, really bad for you in the future. There's a phrase that we've come back to week after week after week. It's this, that your present will become your past that will one day carry into your future. This is just common sense. You have a present, that present will eventually become the past, and you will take your past with you into your future. I'm telling you this, you can, I've been married for 12 years, okay, so I'm not a pro at marriage, but I've kind of survived the, the, can we actually make it phase, and we made it, and here we are, right? So I've been around a while in this, and so here's what I will tell you, every married person, if they're honest with you, will tell you this. They believe something that wasn't true. Here's what they believed. They believed that when they said, I do, they believed on some level that they were hitting a cosmic reset button in their life. They walked down an aisle or, you know, now no one gets married in churches anymore because we all want that like, you know, social media thing. And so we do it outside, but whatever. They walk down the thing and they stand in front of somebody and they say, I do. And in their minds, they believe 
I have now cut ties with the past. None of that matters anymore. It's like a whiteboard and I just wiped it away. And now it's this marriage and it's a total reset. And nothing that happened in the past, whether it be sexually or dating, nothing that happened in the past will impact today because I just hit the reset button called I do. Except every married person will tell you that's not true. They believe that, but it wasn't true. That ultimately they had a present, that present became a past, and the past has stuck with them. You're going to make choices in your dating life right now that are either going to set you up for success or they're going to set you up for failure. And the reason, listen, a lot of marriages fail. A lot of marriages fail, right? We know this. Probably if I said how many of you, and I won't do it, but if I said how many of you come from families that divorce is the reality, like you walked through a broken home, that type of thing. Half of the room, statistically speaking, right? Half of the room's gonna raise their hand. So half of us know this. A lot of marriages fail. Now here's a really bold statement. Do you wanna know why most of them fail? It's not money, although they'll put it on money, but it's really not money. It's not in-laws, although they'll kind of throw them under the bus too, but it's not really in-laws. It's not sex. It's not any of these things that we always say. It's this. The people that got married believed a myth while they were dating, and the myth has messed up their life. And I I tell you, 100%, 100%, I think I'm talking to everyone in front of me, and I think I'm hitting you all. I think there's very few times that I'm certain that you believe something, but this is one of the things that I think that you believe because you've been taught this so much throughout your life, you've now accepted it as fact, except it is not fact. These marriages that failed believed a myth while they were dating. They made choices based on what they believed, and now their present became their past, and their past is impacting their future. What's the myth? Here's the myth. Ready? It is this, the right person myth. This is a myth that you believe on some level, One level or another, you believe this. Here's the myth. It goes like this. If I find the right person, if I find the right person, everything will be all right. If I find the right person, everything's going to be all right. Or another way to say it, if I marry the right person, everything will be all right. Okay. So let's say to to one level or another, you might be going, I don't know how much I believe that, but just to one level or another, let's say, You kind of do somewhere in the midst of that. You kind of believe this. So look at the statement. If I find the right person, everything will be all right. What in that statement is your action? Like, what do you have to do? Somebody say it. There you go. Find the right person. Thank you, Natalie. You have to find the, that's the only thing you have to do. That's it. You just have to find the right person. That's it, right? Here's what you don't know. While you're busy trying to find the right person, you're not working on you. You're just trying to find the right person. Because if you find the right person, everything will be all right. While you're looking to find the right person, the other person that you're about to find is busy doing the exact same thing. Trying to find the right person. Because everyone believes this. This is across the board. If I find the right person. Everything will be all right. So you find the right person, they find you, and you, all you've been doing, this however many years it took you to get there, all you've been doing is searching. That's all you've been doing, is trying to find the right person. You're not working on you, they're not working on them, they're trying to find you, you're trying to find them, and there you go, you find each other. Now let's draw up a theoretical couple, 
okay? Because I don't want to single anybody out because this would be really rude what I'm about to say for the next couple minutes. Let's draw up a theoretical couple. Let's just make them up out of thin air. Here they are, Jenny and Bob, okay? I doubt seriously anyone's name is Jenny or Bob, but if you are, I'm not talking about that Jenny or Bob, okay? If you're in the room named Jenny or Bob, it's not about you, okay? Jenny and Bob, they believe the right person myth. This is a theoretical couple, right? They believe the right person myth, and they believe all I have to do is find the right person. And Jenny goes through a couple boyfriends in high school, and Bob goes through a couple girlfriends in high school, and they get to college, and maybe they go through a little bit of a crazy spell, and, and, and Jenny, you know, is with some guys, and Bob's with some girls, and it's kind of crazy. But then eventually, oh my gosh, y'all, oh my gosh, third year, third year, oh my gosh, they had almost given up hope, but third year. They found each other, Jenny and Bob, they found each other. Now here's the deal. Here's the great question. When you find the right person, how do you know they're the right person? How do you know? How does Jenny know Bob's the right person? And how does Bob know Jenny's the right person? Can I let you in on this? This is how, this is your measuring stick. You ready? This is your measuring stick. It's everyone's measuring stick. How do you know you found the right person? How did Jenny know Bob was the right person? Comes down to one word, but you might not use that word, but I have a chemistry. Here's what chemistry is. Jenny will go to her friends and go, oh my gosh, like me and Bob, we texted till 4 a.m. We cannot stop talking to one another. You know what I mean? Right? Now, what's, what Jenny doesn't know, and even Bob doesn't know this, that when you're dating, you're hiding a huge chunk of who you actually are. You don't tell the terrible stuff about you. You only show the good stuff. So by the way, they're talking to 4 a.m. They're just lying to one another for hours upon hours upon hours, right? Okay. They don't know that. Oh my gosh, I just talked. Like first thing in the morning we talk. Oh my gosh, right? All right. And Bob, Bob tells his friends, here's another way chemistry looks. Chemistry, first of all, looks like we're talking all the time. Second way chemistry looks is this. Bob tells his friend, man, I, I cannot get her out of my mind. Like when I'm not with her, man, I think about Jenny all the time. Oh my gosh, man. Like it's crazy. We have such great chemistry. So we're talking all the time. We're thinking about each other all the time. Or the last way that chemistry shows up is this. Man, we cannot keep our hands off of one another. Like there is all this sexual tension. You know what I mean? Cool. Congratulations. All right. And then what ends up happening is this, the relationship turns physical, and here's what happens when the relationship turns physical. Again, we're not going back to the sex talk, but here's what happens when the relationship turns physical. It blinds you to the reality of the relationship. It blinds you. It puts the blinders on, and all you can see is, oh no, we're perfect. And somewhere in the middle of this, Jenny and Bob start saying these stupid statements like, this is the greatest love the world has ever known. They will write novels about our love one day. No one understands us. And Jenny's mom's like, I think you're moving too fast with Bob. And she's like, that's because you don't understand. You never found a soulmate like I found a soulmate. And they, you know, it's all the stupid stuff. And they're so zoned in and they're so locked in and they're going, this is the one. And they're saying that because, ready? They have chemistry. But here's the deal. What they don't know is both of them, all they had done the entire time was search for the right person. They had never done anything. So what ends up happening? Well, of course, I mean, we all know the story, right? Jenny and Bob get married. They get married. 
And it's great, beautiful wedding. They had crab cakes. It was nice. It was a good affair. And then, right, like they go off to a honeymoon and have lots of sex, and it's awesome. They take pictures. You're jealous. And then there go, they come back, and they start life together. But not that long after this happens, not long after this happens, they start having relationship problems. Why do they have relationship problems? Because neither of them prepared themselves to be in a relationship Because why prepare themselves for a relationship when all they have to do is find the right person? See, Bob is thinking, I don't have to learn how to be patient. That's not what my single years are for. I don't have to learn to be patient because when I find, you know, what turns out to be Jenny, when I find her, she'll never do anything that will make me impatient because she's the right person. And Jenny's thinking, I don't have to learn how to forgive. That's not what my single years are for or dating years are for. I don't have to work on me. Because when I find the right person who turned out to be Bob, he'll never do anything that great that I'll have to forgive anyways. Probably his biggest thing will be he'll squeeze the tube of toothpaste in the wrong spot. I can get past that. And so both of them just look for the right person. They don't try to prepare themselves. They're not working on themselves to become a better version of themselves. They're not working on them. They're looking for the right person. They get married. And what ends up happening? They have relationship problems. And here's what happens when you have relationship problems in marriage. I'll just tell you right now. Just lay the cards on the table. Here's what happens when you have relationship problems in marriage. You know what dies? Chemistry. When they were dating, they would talk till 4 a.m. Now they're having relationship problems and they don't talk at all. When they were dating, they couldn't stop thinking about one another. Now Bob tells his friends, I can't stop thinking about how much I hate her. When they were dating, they couldn't keep their hands off one another. Now they're having relationship problems. They haven't had sex in a month. They're just roommates that sleep in the same bed, maybe. You see what I'm saying? The chemistry dies when the relationship problems happen. Why do the relationship problems happen? Because they truly believed, as do you, on some level, you believe if I find the right person, everything will be all right. That's all I have to do. That's the only job on me right now is to find the right person. You have to blow this myth out of your mind. I'm telling you right now tonight, and and I'm not going to lead you to like an invitation where you have to respond, but I'm telling you right now tonight, some of you need to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm going to change the way I think and view dating for the rest of my life. Like as long as it takes until I find the quote unquote, the one, like until that happens, I'm going to totally radically change the way I think about dating and how I use my time right now, because you can save yourself a ton of pain. Why? Because your present becomes your past and your past ultimately impacts your future. Here's what you need to replace this myth with. It'll be on the screen. Finding the right person. That's how most of us date. Just got to find the right person. And we need to switch to becoming the right person. We need to switch. We need to say, you know, with the time that I have, and the dates that I have, and the people that are interested in me, and what we're doing, like, rather than trying to find the right person, I'm going to work on becoming the right person. Because what Ginny and Bob don't know is this, when the relationship suffers, and when the chemistry dies, they start thinking, through, and I tell you, I have so many friends who've already walked through divorce. We got married around the exact same time, and they've already walked through divorce several years ago, some of them. 
Because when the relationship suffers, they start thinking these words. Ready? I married the wrong person. And then Bob goes off to the gym and Jenny goes off to work and Bob sees a girl in the gym and he goes, that's the right person. And Jenny sees a guy at work and says, that's the right person. Because they still believe that if I simply find the right person, everything will be all right. They've never stopped to consider, maybe my marriage is falling apart because I'm just not very good at it because I didn't take the time to become the right person. I'm telling you, I can save you a ton of pain if you'll hear this tonight. We need to switch the way we date. We're not looking for the right person. Instead, we're focused far more on becoming the right person. This next phrase I'm going to put on the screen, I did not come up with. It seems confusing. It is not confusing. Another pastor wrote this, but here's what he said. Ready? Are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? That's a good phrase. Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? That's the difference between trying to find the right person and becoming the right person. Let me, let me get you to do this. Some of you actually should do this. I'm telling you, like this is super practical. Here's what you should do. Go home tonight, grab a notepad and a pen, <clears throat> okay? I think some of the best things in life happen when we cause the mess that's in our head to get out on paper. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, grab a notepad and a pen and define your ideal person. It's actually not that difficult. I guarantee you already have most of the list rattling around your head. Put it on paper. Who's your ideal person? I guarantee guys, girls, guys, you're like, I'll never do that. You should do that. Girls, you're like, oh my gosh, I've already done it. Like, right? Like, so like, you know, but here's the deal. Listen, you need to do that. And here's why. Because you'll start seeing things like this. You will start saying, I want him or her to be this way. I want him or her to not be this way. I think it's power in saying what you want and also what I don't want. I want him and her to him or her to have these characteristics. I want him or her to not have these characteristics. Uh-uh, not gonna work. I want him or her to have this in their past. I want him or her to not have this in their past. This is who I want. You'll start making the list. If you wanna include physical attributes, go for it, knock yourself out. But you can start making the list of the characteristics, the traits, who you're looking for. Now, at the end of that, you've defined the ideal man for you or you've defined the ideal woman for you. Here's the question. Are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? When you meet that ideal person and you talk to them and they interact with you, are they going to go, oh yeah, I've been looking for you the whole time. Yes, you're what I want. Or are they going to look at you, and this is really sad when it happens, are they going to look at you and go, no. I sized you up and no. And it's not because of the way you look. It's because of the way you are. That's rough. And they probably won't ever say that to you and you'll wonder why. Why won't they, why, won't, why aren't they interested in me? This is my ideal person. Well, are you the, who the person you're looking for is looking for? I'm telling you, you have to switch the standard. I'm not looking for the right person now. I'm becoming the right person. Now, here's the crazy thing. Ready? If you open the Bible... And we're almost done tonight. It's a short one tonight. But if you open the Bible, God says practically nothing about you finding the right person. Isn't that crazy? God says practically nothing about you finding the right person. You know what he says a whole lot about? 
you becoming the right person. Isn't that interesting? It almost seems as if God doesn't really care so much about you finding the right person, but he cares a whole lot about you becoming the right person. Why is that? Here's why that is. It's because God knows this. First of all, the world can go away. It's just you and me. It's just me and you. I want to work in your life. Don't worry about them. Don't worry about what they're doing. I'm working in you. First and foremost, you have my attention. I'm working in you. But second, God knows this, that if I develop you into the right person, you're going to attract the right person. You won't have to look so hard to find the right person if you spend more time becoming the right person. In fact, I'll circle back to that thought at the very end. If you want to learn how to avoid all the people you need to avoid, I promise you at the end of this, I'm going to give you the key of how you avoid them. And it's about you becoming the right person. So God spends a whole lot of time talking about this. Now, we are going to go through a list. My list followers are so excited. Faith, when she hears the word list, loses her mind. Oh my gosh, a list. Okay, so here's the deal. Some of you love lists, some of you hate them. I don't care if you love them or hate them. You need to read the whole list. I'm not reading the whole list. I'm only going to read a few of them and talk them through. Okay, but you're smart enough to find this list. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's called the blank. What is it? Anybody? The blank chapter? Love chapter. Okay, it's all about love, right? You know the song like, I want to know what love is. God's like, go to 1 Corinthians 13. All right, so here's the deal. It's the love chapter and he lists what love is. This is who you need to become. This is it. I'm not looking for the right person. I'm becoming the right person. And this is it. You need to read this list, memorize this list, use this list to start challenging yourself, to train yourself to become the right person. I guarantee you, if you do it, you'll be far more successful, not just in dating. I promise you this, you will be way more successful in your marriage, way more successful, even than I was. I was a screw up in my first couple of years. Now listen to this. First Corinthians chapter 13, ready? Verse Four, here's becoming the right person. Ready? Love is patient. Love's patient. If you're going to become the right person, you know what needs to be a huge characteristic in your life? Patience. You know what doesn't magically develop when you say, I do? Patience. A lot of people live like it will. I don't, I won't even need patience. He's going to be so sweet and great. And he's the right person. I won't have to be a patient person. Watch, watch what happens. It doesn't magically develop. What does patience mean in the context of a relationship? What does patience mean? Here's what it means. Ready? Love will never, ever, ever. Hear me on this. What is patience? Love will never, ever, ever, ever pressure someone ever. Love will never, ever, ever pressure someone, ever. And you're probably going, oh, he's talking about physical. You're right, I am talking about physical, but I'm talking about far more than physical. Listen, ladies, this is particularly with you. This happens more with ladies than it does with men. I'm not saying it can't happen with men, but hear me, ladies. If your current boyfriend is pressuring you to go further than you have been comfortable with or are comfortable with, I need to break this to you. He does not love you. Because love is patient. It's defined by God. Love's patient. Love doesn't pressure or push. But you're going, okay, 
What about outside of physical? Because I, I get that, okay? It doesn't press, you know, pressure physically. Yeah, it also means this. Love doesn't ever get bossy or pushy or you better start doing this or you better need to start doing this or why can't you just, or why can't you just, and this, this forcing, you have to be the way I want. And by the way, you not only have to be the way I want, you have to get that way really, 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 really fast. Listen, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend who is in that kind of bossy, dominating, you better be the exact way I want you right now. I don't know what they're doing to you, but it is not love because love is patient. What I'm saying to you is this, it doesn't happen naturally. Patience does not happen naturally. You have to decide in your head, forget finding the right person. I'm going to start becoming this way. And so you use every dating relationship and not just dating relationships, but every relationship I have to develop and train myself in such a way to where I'm patient. I'm telling you, your ideal person that you just wrote on a piece of paper, when they meet you in a year or five years or six months or 10 years, and you're like, please, Lord, let it not be 10 years. Let it be shorter than that. But when that person meets you and they see that you are patient, you are the person they're looking for. I promise. I promise. You're going to be over the top attractive to them. Why? Because they don't see this very often. Moving on. Love is patient. What else is love? Ready? Love is patient and Kind. Love is patient and kind. What does kind mean? Kind, you go, oh, that's kind of a weak word. What does kind mean? Here's the word. Ready? It's considerate. Some of you, I'm about to ruin past relationships or I'm about to validate your experience. You're going to go, I knew that guy or I knew that girl was a jerk for this word right here. Or some of you, I might even ruin your current relationships. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kind is considerate. What does that mean? It means this, that I consider your feelings. I consider the words that I'm about to say to you, and I consider how they're going to make you feel. I consider the action that I'm about to take, and I consider how it's going to impact you. I consider how I'm going to go out and what I'm going to do and how it's going to make you feel. Listen, I can't tell you how many dating relationships or like engaged couples I've heard about who go, you know, my my fiance, man, he goes out with his friends and they go out to the bar and there's all these ladies and I don't know where he is. And then he stays out till like 4 a.m. and he never calls and checks in. And then he comes back and he makes me feel like I'm crazy because I don't trust him. And I go, look, I don't know what that is, but it is not love. Because if you're considerate, you don't go out to 4 a.m. and not check in. Come on. That's bull. Quit being a boy. Come on. Love is patient. Love is considerate. Consider. Doesn't happen naturally. Promise doesn't happen naturally. It's not going to happen if you find the right person. It's going to happen if you become the right person. You use every relationship to start figuring out, how do I start being more considerate? Some of you who know me well go, Tim, you could work on that. You're absolutely dang right I could. Should have met me five years ago. I've gotten a lot better. (laughs) I used to be a lot less kind. All right, so here's the deal. Love is patient. Love is kind. Ready? Look at the next part. Love does not envy. Love doesn't envy. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Some of you were products of this marriage. Ready? Some of you have seen something bad, have seen this. Here's what envy is. This might have been the source of even your parents' stuff. It's this. It's when one partner goes, I don't feel good about myself, so therefore I'm not going to let you feel good about yourself. That's envy. That's envy. 
I, I don't want you to succeed or strive or grow. I want to keep you where I am. I'm miserable and misery loves company. So I want to keep you around. So either through passive aggressive statements or just outright harshness, I'm going to tear you down because you can't feel good about yourself because I don't feel good about myself. Listen, I've struggled with every word on this list, but this one was one of the most practical struggles of my life. There was a time when I was unemployable. I could not be employed. I married a very sharp, smart, talented woman. I also felt called to ministry. What that means is I'm never going to make that much money. It's part of the, unless I sell out, which I don't think I'm going to do. I don't even know how to do that in the first place. I'm not going to make that much money, right? My wife works in healthcare. There's dang good money in healthcare. My wife was succeeding and getting recognized. By the way, you do good in ministry. You won't get recognized. You just get more work. So she's getting recognized and leveled up and paychecks are coming in and it's higher than mine and all this different stuff. And I felt bad about myself, particularly when I was unemployable. And it was so easy in that. I mean, it was subconscious, man. It was so easy when she was having a great day to just drop that one little statement to make her day come down. Why? I didn't feel good about myself. I don't really like that you're feeling good about yourself. And then I was corrected by God's word that that's not what love is. That doesn't happen naturally. You have to work on that. You're not trying to one-up all your friends or be better. In fact, love would say this in a marriage context or in a dating context, ready? Love would say this, hey, if you win, I win because we're on the same team. So if your life's going well, my life's better. We're on the same team. You succeed. You go for it. I'll support you. Whole way. Love doesn't envy. Ready? He moves on. Full verse. Love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy or boast. <clears throat> it is not arrogant. It's not so proud that it can't say, I was wrong. I am sorry. Now, hear me. Ready? I think some of you look at that verse, just that one sentence, that one verse, and you go, that sounds boring. That sounds boring. That sounds like a, a, a relationship made in a church youth group at church camp. You know what I'm talking about? That sounds boring. You know why you think that? Because you're so addicted to drama that normalcy seems boring to you. There's a show, the, the dumb show, but I loved it. I watched it so many times. The Office, there's a character in The Office named I can't, Kelly. And Kelly's crazy, right? And she's basically addicted to her boyfriend, Ryan. But at one point they break up and she dates Daryl. And Daryl just tells her everything he's thinking. He doesn't try to lie or manipulate. He tells her when she's acting crazy, he tells her that he likes her, he doesn't play a game. And she has the, you know, the, the shot that they do where they're talking to the camera and she's like, what kind of man just says exactly what he's thinking and he doesn't lie and he doesn't twist the truth? Like, what kind of game is that? And of course, it's funny because you go, yeah, obviously it's not a game at all. You're so addicted to drama that you can't understand what normal people react. But listen, I'm telling you, that's real, that's real life for a lot of people. A lot of guys, I've heard guys say, I don't think I've heard anyone in this room say, but I've heard guys say, oh man, I love crazy girls. You won't. I promise you, you won't. Be married to one for a couple of years and you'll be going, please give me that. Please give me that. I'm so tired of crazy. Right? If you go, man, that sounds boring, or this is, man, this is so, you know, you over-spiritualize everything, Tim. Let me just ask you this. Again, if I were to ask the room, if you've been through divorce, raise your hand. Half the room's hands go up. Okay, for those of you whose hands are theoretically up, but I didn't do that because I don't want to sing you yet. Hear, hear me on this. Do you think mom and dad's marriage would have survived if they'd have been patient? 
Do you think you'd have gone through the pain they went through if they'd had an ounce of patience in them? What about this? Do you think your house would have been better if there was kindness, consideration for other people? Do you think that everything would have been better if not everyone was trying to one-up or fight one another because they're all envious of the attention or the love that the other person is getting? Do you think your parents' marriage would have made it if mom or dad were not so prideful and they had the ability to simply say this statement, I was wrong. I am sorry. Some of you never even heard your parents utter that because they can't because they're so proud. Listen, do you think your home would have been better if those were in it? Absolutely you do. Do you want what you grew up with? Why didn't your parents develop that? Ask yourself, why, weren't my, why wasn't my dad patient kind? Why, why didn't he, why did he envy so much? Why was he so boastful? Why was he so proud? Why, why, why didn't he have any of those characteristics? Why doesn't he have them now? I'll tell you why. I bet I, I bet I can answer this for you. I bet it's because at some point in time in his life, he thought if I find the right person, everything will be all right. And he never stopped to man up and go, no, it's not about finding the right person. It's about me disciplining myself through God and through his power to become the right person. So consequently, he gets married, everything falls apart. And you know who paid the price for that? You did. You paid the price for it. So did I. My parents got divorced. I paid the price. Right? Look at this last one, verse 5. Ready? Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Doesn't dishonor others. What does that mean? Well, simply this. If love does not dishonor, then that means love honors. What does it mean to honor the person you're dating or going to date or one day you'll date? Here's what it means. Your name will never be mentioned when they list their biggest regrets. Some of you need to hear that. Your name will never be listed when they list their biggest regrets. I wish I'd have never gone out with and they say your name. Why won't that be listed? Because you honored them. You told them the truth. You didn't play games. You didn't manipulate. You didn't press. You didn't push. You considered them. You were humble. You weren't proud and arrogant. You honored them. You did all these different things. And so now they go, man, I listen, I made a lot of mistakes, but dating that guy, dating that girl, that wasn't one of them. They were a good person. And I'm telling you, one day you meet the person you're going to marry and you've so trained yourself to honor the opposite sex. When you're in a relationship, you so trained yourself to honor them that when you meet your future husband or you meet your future wife, they're going to feel like the most honored person in the room because you're good at it. Why are you good at it? Because you didn't look for the right person. You became the right person. Right? Now, look at this. Last two verses I want to read. We're going to skip a little bit. I want to read these last two verses. Paul ends the passage this way. This is really important. Verse 11. Ready? When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I have two children. They think, they talk, they reason like children. It's perfectly normal and natural because they're Children, it's good. They should be there. That's where they are developmentally. But listen to what Paul says next. Ready? When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. In other words, he says, I used to, 
Used to think, act, talk, reason like a child. But now I grew up. I became a man and childhood's in my rearview mirror. I don't think like a child anymore. I don't talk like a child anymore. I don't act like a child anymore. And I don't reason like a child anymore. Why? Because I'm a grown man. Some of you need to grow up when it comes to your dating. You need to grow up. Because you're still dating like this childhood fantasy of the right person and everything just magically being all right. You're still dating like that's true. That's childish. Let me explain it to you this way. When you were a kid and when I was a kid, when everyone's a kid, we read them fairy tales. What's the basic story arc of a fairy tale? There's a prince, there's a princess. They have to get together, but something's standing in their way. It's usually one of a couple things, right? A spell, a stepmother, a dragon, I don't know, <laughs> a curse, a this, a that, whatever it is. Something standing in the way of the, the prince and the princess getting together, right? And so they have to fight and overcome the odds, and maybe she's asleep and he has to do everything, or maybe she's active because fairy tales were super sexist like that, and it was up to the guy to do everything. Like, so maybe there's a more proactive fairy tale, and both are doing stuff, right? But they overcome the odds, right? They overcome the odds, and they find one another. And this always happens on the last page, the last page of fairy tale. They find one another, and they kiss. Oh, that's love's true kiss, right? Like, that's the thing, right? So they kiss, and then the last line of the fairy tale says what? They live happily ever after, because here's what the author of all those fairy tales knew. The author of the fairy tale knew this, that you and I believe this dumb thing, and that is this. If these two characters can simply get together, then everything will be all right. If they just can get together, everything will be fine, because they're the right person. It's the prince. It's the princess. Just get them together. There's no need to go on with the story because their life is so perfect. Why would we want to keep reading? Everything was perfect. That's childish. And it's not true. That's not true. That, yeah, you have a lot of obstacles to overcome to find the right person, but the obstacles are not around you. The obstacles are inside of you. That's the obstacle to overcome to become the right person. And then when you finally find the right person, man, you're so trained and disciplined. They go, oh man, you are the right person. And then y'all get together. And then it still takes work. It's not just happily ever after. Oh, there's lots of patience. There's lots of kindness. There's a lot of things you can say, but you don't say. There's a lot of times you want to lay on the couch, but you get up and you wash the dishes because you know your wife's tired too. There's a lot of times that you put the children to bed because your wife needs to lay down. There's a lot of things that you do that are above and beyond because you just know it's not just going to magically work out. I have to still, even at 36 years old and 12 years of marriage, I have to still become the right person. I still do. It's not just about getting together. It's about becoming the right person. Let me tell you the last benefit, and then I'm done. Ready? Here's the last benefit to becoming the right person. Take 1 Corinthians 13, read it, and start applying it. Start living that out. Start becoming that list. Ready? Here's what it's going to do. The more you become that list, the more repulsed you will be by people who are not on that list. Some of you date a lot of impatient jerks. You know how to spot them quicker? Start being the most patient person in the world. And then you'll notice, ooh, no, no, no. Like, you want to date me? Nope, I do not want to date you. 
when you become the list, you start becoming repulsed by the people that are on the list. You're like, no, I can be your friend, but I'm not dating you. You are not the right person. When you start becoming the right person, you know who are the wrong people real quick. You will save yourself from so much pain. Listen, some of you need to draw a line in the sand. This day, forward, I'm dating differently. I'm not going to do it the way I did in the past. Come back next week. We're going to talk a little bit more about dating specifically probably a little bit more pointed to the men. It'll be good. It's worth coming to. You need to hear it. Let me pray for us. Bye.